The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we go any further that this show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, this is Monday Football Monday, and specifically, this is the SB Nation NFL Show, which you can subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, leave a rating, write a review. Those things really, really do help us out. And if you don't do them, it means that you hate us, which is just kind of a, a mean-spirited level of behavior. But you can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. Subscribe there as well. Um, and if you do, you will see and hear the visual and audio stylings of myself, Amarjo Cho from Blog on the Boys. The one and only Rachelle Prevet is keeping this ship afloat with me, as always, every single Monday. From SBNation.com, it is JP Acosta and Mark Schofield. Mark, congratulations on not having... Quite the gauntlet on Sunday that you did last week. Uh, Red Bull got that constructors out of the way nice and early. Set you up for the first Patriots win of the year. Yeah, but I mean, this was a uh, race, the Japanese Grand Prix, that got underway at 1 a.m. Eastern. I mean, it was still a rough night early morning. I'm, I'm still playing catch up here. And yes, the Patriots did get a win. But can I just say at the outset, we each have a fast forward button. Are we going to each use those on our own teams? Because I really don't need to talk about this Patriots-Jets game. I don't know if JP wants to talk about Texans-Jags. And RJ, I'm pretty sure you don't want to talk about Dallas-Arizona. Yeah, well, the rules of the fast-forward button, JP, are the, are the teams we cover, the teams we root for specifically, cannot be fast-forwarded. Uh, I actually thought about when we were prepping to, to start the show that we almost had a clean sweep of depression here. Um, on We the still do. I'm not exactly well, Ray, happy right now. Well, Ray, Rachelle is a Baltimore Ravens fan. Yeah. Um, and so we almost went 0 for 4. Uh, but, Mark, your Patriots ruined it. Uh, but none of us had their team lose to the Houston Texans. This is true. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I was on the road taking my brother and sister back to Tallahassee, and we stopped in Gainesville for a little bit. Stopped to say hi to some to my grandparents, and I turned and we had they have TV on, and the first thing I see is the Jaguars are down seventeen nothing, and I'm like, what is happening right now? Like what what's going on? So then we get back on the road midway through, about ha- at the halfway point between Gainesville and Tallahassee. I get the notification that Andrew Beck, the fullback, 
scored on a kick return or touchdown. It was beautiful. A kick return by a fullback who ended up running the 10th fastest speed in the NFL this season. Getting dusted by a fullback, dude. This is this is an embarrassing loss. Like embarrassing considering um, where you were supposed to be at the beginning of the season compared to now. This is this is arguably one of the most paper tiger teams in the league right now. Week three, um, you know, exposed um maybe some frauds, uh, maybe some paper tigers. Uh, week three provided a lot of content if you're in the Taylor Swift game, obviously. Um, I saw our friend Pete Sweeney uh, tweeted early Sunday. Um, they'd written something at Arrowhead Pride about kind of a, a 101, I guess, on the relationship. Um, I, I don't use that word as heavily as everyone else has, but uh, between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and Pete tweeted that it had done 20,000 hits um, in just the morning yesterday. So again, kind of a, an indication of where we are as a, as a football-loving society. Uh, it's a tough day around here, but but we have to we have to power through because that's what we do. Uh, Mark, I guess we should start with Sunday Night Football. I guess that's kind of our, our weekly tradition. The road teams have won all three games. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the latest one, 23 to 18, the final score. Um, not that fun of a game, but I mean, <laughs> like how does Josh McDaniel still have a head coaching job this morning? Like, did you hear what he said after? I about, did. Uh, and that's the reason why I'm asking that question. Because Explain it, please. You're down eight with about two minutes and 22 seconds left. You've got a fourth down decision well inside the red zone. You, you need, at this point, eight points, a touchdown, and a two-point conversion. You need to get a stop on defense. So what do you do? You kick the field goal. And what does that change? Absolutely nothing because you still need a stop on defense or an onside kick return recovery and a touchdown. Like I do not understand. And his reason, you know, I was thinking about possessions and getting extra possessions. No, you had already got a touchdown and gone for two earlier in the game. I do not understand this one at all. The JP, part. just quickly, there is the um, the proverbial tweet that goes out in moments like this. Um, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like nothing like making a one possession game a one possession game. Like that. That's exactly what this was. Um, and this is one of those things that, like, I'm not going to say that we're outfitted to be NFL head coaches, but like, if you have spent a hundred hours in your life playing Madden, you understand these basic concepts, and it's kind of amazing that Josh McDaniels does. The funniest thing about this is that the Raiders scored a touchdown and went for two on the possession before this to cut it to an eight-point game. So what changed? What what happened in between those two drives that was like, yeah, we're going to make a two-possession game a two-possession game still? Like, what? even if you were to kick, even if, like when Mark said, you kick the field goal, you got to get a stop on defense, and now you have to score a touchdown. You go for it, score, and tie the game. All you need is a stop, and you can kick a field goal to win. You don't have to go and score. Now you just made it a whole lot harder on offense that didn't look like they had anything easy going for them. Jimmy G, every time he held the ball for longer than two seconds, he started to hear the sonic drowning theme in his head. like the Yeah, he started to hear that every time he had, had the ball for longer than two seconds. Josh McDaniels can scheme up a good offense. He is not a good managerial. He is not good at the managerial aspects of a game. That is the that's been, been what's the, prop, the problem for the for the Raiders these past two years. I mean, they were really bad in one score games last year. They're con going to continue to be bad in one score games this year because they have a coach who decides to do this. He's a great offensive coordinator. Is he? 
I mean, like, I so. <laughs> like, I, like look, yeah. While he was in New England, he was easily the person that people would criticize the most when the offense wasn't going well. And yes, you could criticize any offensive coordinator, some more than most, like the guy on the other side of the field in this game last night, Matt Canada. But he's a great offensive coordinator. He's a great play designer. He's he's great at using things like tempo, play sequence, and things like that. Although every once in a while he'll do like crack toss, which you know, you lean into that one times too many to backfires. But like JP said, the managerial stuff, the big time decision making like this, I it's just not working. This is just a glaring example of it. And to have it happen on an island game on a Sunday night when literally everybody, like it's rare when the timeline is of one mind. Like we find ways to argue about everything. This was a timeline is of of one mind moment because everybody from the analytics people to the film nerds to the new Taylor Swift fans who will find it out about football for the first time in their deal, yelling in the Taylor Swift discords about you have to go for your touchdown in that situation. Across the board, everybody was crushing this. I should mention, um, you guys did a great job at dot com about uh, kind of a Travis Kelsey one hundred and one for the new Taylor Swift fans. Um, like yeah, James you know, learn who this guy is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I and, thought that was really clever. And James uh, is going to have a him. deep dive investigative piece coming later. I'm just going to tease that right now. Well, James has a lot of work to do, especially yeah. uh, by way of uh, the picks contest that we run here. Well, that too. Um, yeah. Just to uh, to get this on record uh, here on Monday Football Monday, Optistats tweeted this out uh, late Sunday night. Since the two-point conversion was adopted in 1994, JP, I don't know if you were even born yet, uh, the Raiders are the only NFL team to attempt a field goal in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter when down by exactly eight points with fewer than five yards to go for a first down. It's always good when you can break records in the worst way. If you're going to be bad, be the worst. That's If you're going to be bad, go all the way in on being super-duper bad at um, let's go one sentence on the Steelers since we just trashed the Raiders. Mark. That defense is good. I mean, that defense <laughs> is very good. I'll say that. Uh, JP, JP. If Matt Canna coaches against the Raiders every week, he'd be the greatest offensive coordinator of all time. Uh, that's probably the best one. Uh, I'm just going to go with, I'm still not overly impressed, but anyway, uh, congratulations to the Steelers, the Raiders, you existed. Um, I suppose that's really Barely. the kind of thing we have to say. Um, let's go to Baltimore, uh, where the Lamar Jackson-led Ravens fell to the Gardner Minshew-led Indianapolis Colts. Rachelle, I'm so sorry. Uh, this was kind of embarrassing for the Ravens. Again, this was kind of a fraud week uh, in the NFL, Mark. Uh, went to overtime, um, and it just felt like the whole game, the Ravens tried to be a little bit too cute, and the, the, the Colts just kind of outlasted them just a little bit. Justin Tucker, shocker, missed a game-winning field goal in regulation that sent it to overtime. Um Kind of a sloppy game, kind of a rainy, misty affair, uh, but still a bummer of a loss for the Ravens. Yeah, a bummer of a loss for the Ravens. I mean, they had opportunities to win that game. You know, had a chance to win that game in the end of regulation. Lamar Jackson did what you cannot do in that situation and take a sack. Like, it ended up being just a bit of a longer field goal try than he would have liked for Tucker as a result, and he came up short in rainy, wet, miserable conditions at M&T Bank Stadium. You know, I know a lot of Ravens fans are real upset. There was a non-PI call in that game as well that kind of hurt the Ravens. But this is a game that you expect to win. When you've got a Colts team coming into town that is now down to Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richards, though, you expect to win this game. You don't find a way to get it done. Um, is this a fraud game, a letdown game, a paper tiger game? That remains to be seen. But however you look at it, this is a bad loss for Walton. Yeah, I mean – you, I, there's not there's nothing else much you can really say. I mean, <laughs> the Ravens had one penalty 
last on Sunday. Lamar ran for 100 yards. They completed over 70% of, of their passing attempts, and you lose the game. That's stuff happens in the NFL. Like it's a you can't you can't guarantee victory week over week. Like that's probably the best thing about the NFL. You never know. This was a stuff happens week. Like they, right. my parents were over, they were watching the games with us. They do a weekly pick and pool. They've been doing it for years. And they were like beside themselves. They were like, you know, how is Dallas losing? Like, how is Jacksonville losing? Like, how is Baltimore losing? Like, they were just losing their minds. But that was the kind of week that it was. It was a stuff happens week. Um, It'll be interesting to kind of see the recalibration that a lot of teams attempt next week. Uh, The Ravens visit Cleveland. And I think that game got a lot more interesting based on what we saw from the Browns. Um, Just quickly on the Colts before we leave. uh, They're one week away now because we're about to head into week four after these another stupid double header on Monday Night Football. Um, but they're one week away from getting Jonathan Taylor back, uh, JP, if they so choose. And I feel like they've morphed into a team that if you're Jonathan Taylor, you're a little bit more interested in uh, based on the circumstances. Again, especially because, I mean, Jacksonville's one and two, Tennessee's one and two, Houston's one and two. Like, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, I know Zach Moss carried the ball 30 times for a buck 22, but Jonathan Taylor, you know, and if Anthony Richardson comes back, like, the Colts could do this. Like, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's kind of fun. It's it's looking kind of fun, you know. This is something that Jonathan Taylor could come into and be like, hey, maybe I want to be a part of this. But also, even if he doesn't want to, there are still a bunch of teams that could use Jonathan Taylor's services, including the team that the Colts just beat. You know, they kind of missed that explosiveness, especially with J.K. Dobbins out for the season. Um, you look at a team that just traded a running back away because he was generally bad vibes, like the Los Angeles Rams. If they if they think they're going to be competitive, you got you. That is that's a very less need trade to make. You know, screw them picks. We're going to go add Jonathan Taylor and see what we can do here. There's a lot of options for Jonathan Taylor if he decides he wants to come back and play for the Colts, or even if he doesn't. Uh, Mark, let's head out to Minnesota, where the Vikings fell to 0-3 in the battle of winless teams. This didn't start off that hot. This had the potential to be the kind of like, oh, you want a, a fantasy piece of this game, you know, sort of affair with both defenses really struggling over the first two weeks of the season. Uh, Brandon Staley survived after a really brave fourth and one decision late in the game that gave the, the Vikings the ball back with the chance to win in Chargers territory. Uh, tip ball drill just doesn't go the Vikings way. They're now 0-3 in one possession games after going 11-0 and in that capacity a year ago. The jokes really do right themselves. I don't know. You said you felt some shame about the Patriots winning. I feel like the Chargers have to feel pretty hollow, even though a win tastes very sweet after being 0-2. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go 0-3 now, obviously. And Chargers avoid that. The, the Staley decision in the moment, it's one of those where this does not feel smart at all. You look <laughs> up, you know, the fourth down decision bought and said, like, yeah, you go forward in this situation. So I guess numbers wise, it was the right decision. You know, you avoid it. Like you said, tip ball drill. You get the interception to sort of survive that game. I don't I mean, Herbert looked great against pressure. I, I For me, that was the takeaway. I dropped his numbers in our slack. He was something like 10 of 11 or something like that. Every time he got blitzed. Like, you know, Brian Flores did what he did at times. Go zero blitz, brings the house, and Herbert was able to beat that. And so I wonder if one of those main storylines coming out of this game is something we talked about, not just the regression in terms of one-score games from Minnesota last year, but how long would it take this Minnesota Vikings secondary to sort of gel into what Brian Flores wants to do? It seems like in weeks one and two, maybe they were a little bit closer than we thought. This week seemed like, no, maybe they're still a little bit far away. Keenan Allen, a ridiculous game. 
like what 200 yards receiving through a 40 yard touchdown pass against a zero blitz, which I thought was kind of hilarious too. Um, Minnesota, man, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of the reason why I wasn't high on them to begin with. Like it, the offense seems like it could still be good, but that defense is struggling right now. I mean, that's really the takeaway. I think Justin Herbert was phenomenal. He was blitzed on 41 of his 50 dropbacks, according to next gen stats. And he had, yeah, it was his first game under 2.4 seconds to throw in his career, and he had a 16% completion percentage over expectation. So basically, he wasn't just beating it with quick throws or quick passes. He was maneuvering and adjusting the pressure. There was one throw I saw where he went over to his – he was ran to his left and then threw it back across the middle of the field and somehow found Keenan Allen in the middle of the field wide open, which feels like a perfect microcosm of what Justin Herbert can be. And also what the Vikings are right now. Like the biggest thing for Justin Herbert was I feel like he kind of lacked or was kind of missing behind Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow in the creativity department and the being able to throw off platform, throw off schedule. He did that basically the entire game against the Vikings. And for Minnesota, I don't know how you watch the Vikings team without having severe heart problems. Like they, they, they look Alexander Madison had a phenomenal day running the ball, and you come up just like 10 yards short. I don't know how the Vikings continue to do this. I think it's so funny that they had such this luck in one-score games last year, and this year it just completely flipped on its head. Like, of course, that's going to be a big thing that's talked about, but we knew we knew this coming in. They were going to be competitively bad. Um. It bums me out because I like the Vikings. Like I'm, I'm maybe I'm a masochist, but like I like that experience. But it's just man, um, you feel bad for them. I really, I'm very excited to see where Kirk Cousins is playing next year. Like I've, I've assigned all of my emotion to really that, um, that perspective and whether or not Justin Jefferson's going to sign an extension here. Like, doesn't this have the makings of like him kind of wanting to get out? Like him wanted to be done with this, whatever. Like blah blah blah. I mean, wanted to go some. If Kirk does leave, like he doesn't want to be around for a rebuild, even if he is going to get you know all the money in the world. But, um. Man, tough scene. Um, oh, well, let's move on. Uh, the Miami Dolphins lambast the Denver Broncos. Uh, we talk about 40 burgers, 50 burgers, whatever. I don't know what 70 points constitutes, Mark. Uh, maybe like a five-course meal. That's a whole buffet, man. Or it's one of right. those like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, State Farm commercial, bundle, give me those nuggies kind of situation. But Great point. Is, th- is this uh, a fast-forward game? Because what do we have to say here? I just was. I think we should offer uh, Garrett Bowles' quote after. That's, he said he's yeah, been a that's Bronco. a perfect way to sum this up. Yeah, he said he's been a Bronco for seven years, and all he's done is lose. And I mean, JP, like the Broncos are the Broncos are a Peyton Manning decision, you know, to join them away in 2012 from being this like really loser organization, right? Like that that decision like completely saved them. If not for that, they would have really accomplished nothing since you know the extremely late 90s, the final moments of the 90s when they won their back-to-back Super Bowls. It's really bad in Denver right now. Like, I I don't know what you can do right now. Like, the offense looked kind of competent a little bit. Like, (laughs) if you're just comparing, like, from week over week, they looked a little better maybe this week. But Cortland Sutton fumbles twice. Uh, Russ has a tipped interception. And the defense just got obliterated. Like, that's – you really can't say much else outside of Raheem Mostert and Devin H.A. both have four touchdowns. So, like, hey, man, it's rough. It's rough. Uh, 
true or false for both of you the miami dolphins are the best offense in the nfl like not just statistically but like you're like you're willing to, to land on that mountain true right now yeah but they okay. were at this point through three games last year i actually saw a staff from like cbs sports two his numbers through three games this year are the exact same as they were through three games last year the big question for this offense was something we saw last year okay defenses are gonna start figuring this stuff out like that They'll, they'll start coming up with some answers for this. How does McDaniel respond to that? How does he like counterpunch to that? If he does a better job of it than he did last year, this team will remain the best offense in football. Right now, I think they're the best offense in football, but can they stay there is the bigger question. All right, so workshopping this name. Y'all tell me y'all do this stuff more than I do. Septua Vember. Like, you know what I mean? Because this is their time of year. Septua Vember. Septuember. Something like that. Septuember? Something like that. I, I think know? we can work with cool. that. Y'all can take it and run. I don't think it's final. We can drop that in Lars. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. Exactly. Y'all y'all work on it. I'm just here to give you the meat. Y'all are the smokers and the, the barbecue pit there masters and things like that. So I'm just your butcher. Um, JP, you're the first one to do the walk of shame. The Jacksonville Jaguars do fall at home. Uh, not Duval, but do fall. Uh, 37 to 17 to the Houston Texans. Um, I, I mean, I really don't know what there is to say. This was really rough. I mean, it was, like you said, it was 17 nothing at a certain point, and it, it was a comedy of errors, but it really looked like they got outclassed, uh, which we didn't really expect from this Jaguars team, certainly against the Lily Texans. It was embarrassing. Like, this is the most <laughs> – I'm not going to say it's the most embarrassing game that the Jaguars have played because there have been a lot of those. But when you come in with the expectations that the Jaguars have and you lose like this to a Texans team that was missing a lot, a large majority of their starting defense and a large majority of the starting offensive line, and you couldn't get any pressure at all, like now you start to look at, hey, this personnel that we have might not be good enough. And you knew that coming into this season, coming into the offseason, you knew you were going to have to make changes up front, and it didn't happen. Anton Harrison hasn't looked like it through the first three games of the season, it's been rough for Anton Harrison early because you can't, he's had some tough competition. But it's been rough. It's been bad. But that's no, there's no excuse for this team. There's no excuses at this point. The I think the play calling has been bad, and a lot of it's been like Press Taylor's now fully taking over play calling duties, which Eagles fans know a lot about Press Taylor taking over play calling because that's what led to Doug Peterson getting fired in uh, Philadelphia. So – it's just bad right now, and you need to find answers real fast because you're not looking like – forget contending for the AFC at this point. You need to worry about winning this division. Like the the Super Bowl window, like forget that right now. You need to worry about the other teams behind you because it's been competitive, a lot more competitive than teams have thought going into this season, and that's on the personnel and that's on the coaching. They were outcoached yesterday. Mark, you are a resident quarterback expert uh, around here at SB Nation and really around the earth. Um, what were your takeaways from C.J. Stroud? First win of his career. So he looked very sharp. I mean, and, and, you know, Anthony Richardson not playing, Bryce Young not playing. Like, it's easy to kind of now let ourselves fall really, really in love with Stroud, given that he's the kind of only one available. Yeah, I mean, look, I thought he played well. You know, I watching that game live and then I spun through it again this morning. Like, I thought he had some really good reason throws. Like, he had a throw in that game where – you know, he had to move well in the pocket. He wanted to go left first, had some pressure. That was covered, comes off, it goes right. A lot of this, though, was breakdowns in the secondary. Like, you had some receivers, Tank Dell, running wide open at times. And, yes, there were probably some coverage rules that the Texans did a very good job at sort of breaking and exploiting in the Jacksonville secondary. You know, but I thought that some of his success on Sunday was due to 
mistakes on the Jacksonville defensive side of the ball, but he's played really well. And I think what we thought of him coming out is what we're seeing. Accuracy, ball placement, putting the football where it needs to be, what it needs to be there. It's the reason why, look, he was my QB1 coming out. Now, am I going to victory lap that after three weeks? No, but he looks extremely good right now. And I think another takeaway from this game might be this. The Texans might be a little bit farther ahead than we thought. Like, I, I Who know, picked them to win the AFC I know right you here. made that That's call. Right. And so you deserve a lot of credit through three games here because they do look better than I thought we, we than we believe we thought that they were going to be. I think that they were just so bad for a very long time. It's difficult to like let go of that perception, right? So like even being just like competent is like yeah. I mean, I think that's it. They're competent and competitive right, right now, and they are really moving in the right direction too. And I think for the first time in a very long time, and JP, you certainly know the division better than Mark and I, like, I, I have faith in the head coach. I have faith in the quarterback, right? Like, I mean, when was the last time that was true? Like, I don't think anyone really ever had faith in Bill O'Brien. So it's difficult to, like, include that entire era. Um, it's, you know, like, did anybody have faith in, in Gary Kubiak at any single point, right? Like, this, this, this marriage, this pair, I mean, we're very, very early on, three games in, but, like, the compass is pointing north. And that's, you know, again, it's been a very, very long time since that has been the case in Houston. Every team in the division is one and two. This is looking like the NFC South we've always known. The Colts are two and one. What are you talking about? Throwing shade at Indianapolis. The Colts are leading the division. That's <laughs> that's good to hear. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let me remind you that we each uh, have a fast forward ratio. We didn't go over the rules last week, by the way, when you returned, but you have a fast forward too. So you can like silently hit it and then we have to roll through it. Um, this game has fast forward potential. The Detroit Lions beat the Atlanta Falcons 20 to 6. Does anybody have a passion to take on this? Anybody want to fall on this grenade? Atlanta versus, the, versus Jacksonville next week in London is going to be the funniest game compared to like schematics versus actual play because both these teams look good in design. And, like, you see what's happening, like, what the intent is, but execution is pretty bad. Well, JP, you spent Saturday at Disney World. Is that correct? Am I, uh, based off of my Instagram stalking of you? Um, are you going to watch the Toy Story broadcast for this game, this Atlanta Jacksonville? Yeah. Are you aware of this? As soon as Mr. Potato Head starts clowning the Jacksonville bad guys, <laughs> I'm turning it off. I, I cannot deal with that level of embarrassment. Mark, 10 carries for B. John Robinson, 33 yards. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's not great. Um, I mean, my my Detroit's defense is good. There was a lot of that chatter on the timeline yesterday, and I, I certainly understand that. 
I think the bigger question of this game for me is this Desmond Ritter experiment because it seemed like mm. this. I had this. I had Jets Patriots on the main TV and I had the multi view on the other TV and it seemed like every time my eyes went to the Atlanta offense, Desmond Ritter was throwing a hospital ball and one of his, one of his receivers was getting up slowly after taking a hit to the chops and I don't know. I mean. Maybe they could still get this offense where it needs to be, but it does feel just through three games that in the hands of a better executing quarterback, this offense could be really dynamic and it's not there yet. And it does feel through three games that QB's holding it back. I know that we're so quick to put Kirk Cousins on the Jets. How about Kirk Cousins on the Falcons? Like, I mean, I heard Cousins to the Patriots next year and I almost just walked off the edge of the earth. (laughs) <laughs> Kirk Cousins, just uh, the entire vibe of Kirk Cousins in Atlanta would be very fun. Yeah. Um, Kyle Pitts did lead the Falcons in targets. I don't know that that has ever happened uh, over the course of his career. And he was uh, running wide open on a post route, coming up a little bit gimpy on it, even though he was still wide open and Ritter still open. This is the George Bush yeah. mission accomplished me. Kyle Pitts yeah, led, I mean, like, led the team in targets. Yeah, we're making in, progress. Indiana Colts. Indianapolis Colts. Hand the banner. Um, the lines get back on track. I think we're still not out on them, but we're still kind of like, okay, you know, you did what you needed to do. Let's, you know, waters are stabilized. Let's, let's calm down. Let's move on. Um, okay. So no fast forward there again, four still in our pocket collectively. The Cleveland Browns, um, really had their way with the Tennessee Titans, 27 to three. Um, this was, um, I think Scott Hansen said it during the red zone experience that, um, I think it's inarguably the, the best game that Deshaun Watson has ever played for the Browns. Um, 27 to 33, 289, two touchdowns. Mark, after a really rough Monday night performance for him. Yeah, and you know, I spun through this game this morning. He still had that inexplicable backwards throw, which <laughs> was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, and even though this was his best passing game with the Browns, he still seems a step late on stuff. Like, you know, number th- number of throws in this game where you know he's got receivers on comebacks, he's got receivers on stop routes. And he's just still a step late. Now, it could still be that he's just getting used to this offense. It does take time. I wrote about this last week, and a lot of Browns fans were like, well, he's been in the team for now his second year. Like, how long does it take? It takes time, especially when you haven't played a full season in this offense yet. But it was the best they've looked. I also think Miles Garrett is just, you know, I wrote last week about Starfield and Fred Warner and compared Fred Warner to a terror morph. I might have to do that again just with Miles Garrett because he was just – insane in this game and they were doing like everything they could two tight ends you know a tight end and a tackle a tight end to tackle running back a tight end to tackle and a couple of vendors from the stands and it didn't matter like he was all over the place um jp just quickly i will add um it will forever bother me even though they've kind of fixed things that the cowboys traded away amari cooper he is so smooth like he he remains the smoothest dude in the world it just it there are very few nfl players who i just like feel so at peace watching and Amari Cooper's one. He just, like you said, I think you nailed it with smooth. He, he's always open. It doesn't matter mm. if, what kind of route he's running. He's always going to be open, but yeah, the Titans offensive line, that is a problem, especially when, especially when you go into a game, knowing that miles Garrett is across from you. That's, that's an issue. Um, the Titans will host the Cincinnati Bengals next week. Um, Ooh, home, I think it's a, re- that is, yeah. Uh, Rematch of the 2022 divisional round when the Bengals beat them, um, when the t- Tennessee was the one seed. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Mark, the New Orleans Saints blew a 17 to nothing lead 
Um, and it's one thing when that like happens, uh, but they literally lost 18 to 17. It's not like you blew the 17 point lead and lost like 34 to 17. No, no, no. They gave up just enough points uh, to lose in this game as Green Bay wins their home opener for like the hundredth year in a row. Um, and the Saints fall. Oh, whoa! Was there that, it is. Was that that was Rachel? Oh. Okay, one sentence, Mark. Yeah, I mean, look, nice little comeback. We got Carr's shoulder injury, which I think is going to be interesting. Another interesting thing: Lafleur went for two early in this game. They got it. They won by one. JP, Jordan Love looks kind of good. Um, <laughs> um, I will go with. The Saints make me sad. Um, okay, let's move on. Mark, I'm sorry. That means that Patriots Jets is up next. 15 to 10, the final I score. I can't use a fast forward here. You cannot. Those are the rules. Um, because you know, that's your team. Unless you want to change allegiances all of a sudden. Um, like I you do with do your like you do with your F1 hats every week. But um, but either way, um, I know that you get them for free and things like that, but still, I mean, you know, pick a team. No, a I lane, bought this Mark. one. I bought this one because I was looking okay, for Okay, well, you bought that one, but I'm like, who's your team, Mark? At this point, honestly, like, my team is Haas. I've said this before. My team is Haas, uh, perhaps like the most miserable, but I get to think about Gunther, which I'm, is fun. I've been so out on Gunther. Like, he annoys me. Like, every, it, it's always somebody else's fault. Like, whatever. I'm whatever. I understand anyway, that. Uh, no, so I think the <laughs> takeaway for this game is how long, much longer is the Zach Wilson experiment going to last? Uh, like when you get Jay Glazer talking pregame that both Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz have reached out about playing for the Jets, Robert Salah is sticking by him. And certainly Wilson was not the only reason they lost this game. There were times when, look, receivers were not open. Christian Gonzalez, look, back-to-back -back weeks, Tyree Kill and now Garrett Wilson. And he's looked really good against both of those players. I said it at the time. He was built in a lab to play corner for Bill Belichick. I think he's going to be fantastic. But Wilson is not getting it done. There were moments when he had opportunities to make plays in this game, and he didn't do it. And for the Patriots, they had moments to put this game away. Mac Jones missed on two vertical throws late in the fourth quarter. He hits on just one of those, so this game's not even as close as it was, coming down to sort of a Hail Mary situation. Both teams kind of uninspired, wet weather, white footprints all over the field. It was just a mess from the start. JP, I think we're long enough now into the Jets experience without Aaron Rodgers that, like, we gave them the benefit of the doubt. Like, not benefit, but we gave them, like, slack last week. Like, hey, look, that was really tough. It's really hard. It's really emotional. But, like, at this point, you're one and two. Like, your season is slipping. Like, you can't you can't just throw your hands up in the air. You can't. You can't say, like, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. We're done. It cannot be Zach Wilson anymore. It can't. We, we know that. There's nothing but overwhelming evidence to prove this. Week six is their bye week. I'd expect them to have a quarterback by then. They have a different quarterback. I mean, you can't you can't put in a guy now. You can't take Matt Ryan directly from off the announcing stands into a game against like the Chiefs or whoever they play in a, within the next three weeks and expect him to be any better. Good news is that game is on primetime. So we get to watch this team on Sunday Night Football um, next week. Um, tough scene. Uh, Mark, quickly, um, there was um, some discourse about uh, Mac Jones, dirty moment, whatever you want to call it. Um, you're much more tapped in than we are. Uh, is that the internet or is there some potential truth to that? Is the, is the jury kind of out here? Like Mac Jones has faced accusations like this in the past. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. He's since he's faced things like this in the past, there was the Brian Burns situation his rookie year, which, mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of say, look, and I thought he had the football, but he's like sort of like leg whip tackling him. Like it, it's not the first time we've seen moments like this and had discussions about this. Now, look, the, the Patriots Homer in me is like, oh, he's a quarter like 
trying to dismiss it, but you know, this is like the multiple we've had multiple examples of this now uh, of Jones facing accusations of some dirty play. So it's not a good look. Yeah. To your point, when you have the reputation, um, people are just looking to confirm things as opposed to, you know, be a little bit more objective about that. Yeah, I mean, what was um, that? What was that Duke basketball player, Grayson Allen? Yeah, that always had uh, these things. Grayson like, Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's Grayson had... Murray? It, but yeah, I, I mean, this is the kind of vibe I'm getting. Zach Jones is more accurate um, hitting nut shots than he is throwing passes 15 yards downfield. Um, <laughs> where where we will hit the full meme on the Grayson loaded on that one. <laughs> um, we need him to do the um. Uh, the Cascadia, uh, every time we touch, um, thing that Grayson Allen and the whole Duke team that's what we need from Mac Jones. Uh, so uh, that's a great song, anyway. Um, the Buffalo Bills waxed the Washington Commanders. JP, you're getting the fast forward on this 37 to 3, the final score, one sentence. JP. Rumors of the Bills' death was greatly exaggerated, Mark. After this game, the Bills social media put out an image about with a crushed can of Old Bay. And I understand that Washington technically plays in Maryland. <laughs> Old Bay took some L's on social media because the Colts did it too. They had a whole mm. day theme after they beat Baltimore. Makes more sense to beat the Ravens. You know, crab cakes of football. That's what Maryland right. Baltimore does. This is the Washington Commanders. Yes, they play in Maryland, but it didn't quite track for me. Yeah, that's a great point. Like this, you have to take like a political shot. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you're going like that's, you know, we all have the understandable kind of like connections to things. Um, that's good. Um, good. Good call by you. I don't I'm not going to offer. I guess my sentence is Stefan Diggs is really, really, really good. Like I think sometimes we forget that. Um, OK, uh, the Seattle Seahawks uh, beat the Panthers 37 to 27. Kind of a low key interesting. Game. Mark, you're hitting fast forward. Is yeah, that what you're doing? as well. Okay. Um, I guess my one sentence is good job, Seahawks. Mark. Yeah. Um, look, good job, Seattle. Um, does Andy Dalton make this team a bit more effective? I don't know, but you know that discussion is going to start happening in certain corners around the Carolina Panthers. JP. That's a very stupid discussion. Play by Seattle. <laughs> um, okay. Uh we have two games left. Uh, we might as well um do the Cowboys now. Uh, they lost 28 to 16 in the desert against the Arizona Cardinals. They have lost seven of their last eight games against the Cardinals. Kind of a weird uh, bugaboo for Dallas. And they've kind of always struggled um, in this building. Not that it has anything to do with the grass and all that stuff, but like just kind of a weird house of horrors for them. Um, I, don't, I know obviously you both are busy, but the Cowboys uh, were without Tyron Smith, who did dress uh, Zach Martin, Tyler Biotish, and obviously without Trayvon Diggs and just got worked, just got absolutely worked by Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals. Uh, Jonathan Gannon. I was obviously a part of the Eagles team that ran right at Micah Parsons last year when Dallas went to Philadelphia, and they did that again. I mean, the mighty Cowboys defense that we were all ready to kind of sing songs about and, and put in the pantheon of the 85 Bears uh, looked very, very mortal on Sunday afternoon, Mark. Yeah, I thought, look, I actually just put a piece up before we hit the record button here on what Arizona did offensively, and I think to your point, they ran at Parsons. Like, their first big run was Josh Dawes for 44 yards, and it was sort of counter-read where you're pulling the guard and the tackle in front of James Conner, and you're leaving Micah Parsons on unblocked, which nine times out of ten is a suicidal decision. He's coming right to the mesh point. He sees the action. He's aggressive. He flows with Conner. Dobbs pulls it, runs right where he was for a 44-yard gain. The, the, the more touchdown where you've got no running backs, 
one tight end and four receivers on the field. You sort of overload one side and then you run right away. And you've got Marquise Bell lined up as a linebacker. You can get your left guard climbing to that level. I thought that was a great design. Cardinals did some really smart things, you know, offensively in this game. You know, you had sort of a field goal decision that Mike McCarthy made, which I know people are certainly talking about. Then you get the Dak interception in the end zone. You know, I'm curious to see if, you know, offensively for Dallas, the injuries, you know, played a role defensively. Do we see a Trayvon Diggs sort of waterfall effect there, butterfly effect? But I just think Arizona did a very good job creatively on the offensive side of the ball yesterday. JP, are you aware of the fourth down decision in question that Mark is talking about? Or were you – because there's a yeah, lot happening about Sundays the, around. I watched the replay of the game before we, hop, before we hopped off. Okay, so just to set the table, because uh, I wrote about this at Blog of the Boys. It'll be out uh, right after we finish this year. Uh, it was fourth and three from the Arizona four. Dallas is down by eight at the moment. Uh, three minutes and change left in the third quarter. Mike McCarthy decides to go for it. They fail, obviously. Um, now, at the time, um, my like gut said, kick the field goal, take the take the points. Um, looking back on it, Ben Baldwin's fourth down bot um, seems to suggest that a field goal is the slightly more preferred option in that case. Um, it just it felt like chasing things, JP. And and the moment you start doing that is the moment you're kind of in over your head. It felt like, oh man. The, I guess the best way to describe it, and I think the best way to describe the Cowboys this entire game was they had a little bit too much dip on their chip. They tried to do, mm. they tried to do far too much. Like there were points where like they tried to get very aggressive and have Michael Parsons lined up over the center, and all the Cardinals did was just run at him or run wherever Michael Parsons wasn't. Like the great example, like when Mark pulled for the counter read that Josh Jobs pulled. The best thing you can do for great edge rushers is make them think, slow them down just a little bit. And for a Cowboys defense that is so aggressive to the ball, you want to make them think a little bit more. I think you also saw kind of the, the, I guess the drawback of how this Cowboys defense was built. They have a lot of safeties. They don't have a lot of linebackers. So you play a lot of safeties at linebackers. That's really cool until your 330-pound guard is hitting Marquise Bell in the face. Like, that's just, that's that's going to happen. Stuff happens. That, that's the kind of schematic things they are going to run into. And I think the Cardinals did a very good job of breaking those tendencies. It's super annoying when you are the team that, um, like, elevates a narrative, right? So, like, now we have to hear all about – like, now Mark Schofield gets to write about the Cardinals offense and how visionary and wonderful they are and how they, they're, they you know, ahead of, you know, where we thought they, they were in, in terms of things like that. Like, the Cowboys just – like, they because they're the Cowboys, they're often a kingmaker, but they would they just made, you know, Jonathan Gannon and Josh Dobbs kings. And I don't have a problem with either of them, but, like, that's just annoying. Um, so tough scene for me. Uh, I can't believe we saved it for last. Um, but the Kansas City Chiefs did beat the Chicago Bears at home. Uh, want to use the last one here because I mean, this had the Taylor Swift stuff. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning that there was the I think we all thought the slight possibility that, like, okay, maybe Justin Fields like is right and maybe like he's going to be loose and come out and like drop this like bomb of a performance, even if they lose because it is Arrowhead, it is the Chiefs, whatever. Like the Bears are so down. I can't remember the last time an NFL team was this down this badly. Oh, I do. It's the Jack. When was that? It was the Jack. Oh, God. Urban Meyer. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. that was some, some extenuating circumstances. Although, granted, oh, there are some here as well. This, this but, no, <laughs> but, like, if we just look at the football, like, just the football, because you're right, that, like, the Urban Meyer stuff, like, at least you had things to feel excited about from a football perspective with the Jaguars, JP. And you had the hope of, like, okay, like, Urban's ruining the football, and that proved to be true. But like the foot, like 
Mark, name a redeeming thing about the Bears' football operation. I literally cannot. Like there, that's there what I'm saying. Anything. <laughs> like I was even thinking, like some of the snaps on special teams have been good. Like <laughs> that's all I could come up with. Um, it's it, it's it's a bad situation right now, and it's and like you said, look, you you would hope that even if they got throttled, and so you know they got blown out, but Fields made some plays, whether it's garbage time or along the way, he had one play where he went one two, tucked it and ran and picked up a nice game, and you're like, okay, you know this is what you want to see, and. You know, Olsen's up with the booth saying, yeah, you know, this is what Luke Getzey wants. Like one, two, and tuck and use your God-given talents. And then that seemed to go out the window. He still looks like he doesn't trust anything that's happening around him. And as JP mentioned, look, the um, the Jets have a bye in a couple of weeks. Is Justin Fields the answer for the Jets? Because I even saw some chatter that maybe they should trade Justin Fields to the Jets, start moving on to the next page for the Bears. I don't know, but it's, it's just this is as somebody that loves fields coming out. This is a disaster. I can tell you this with 100 percent certainty. Whoever you bring in after Justin Fields is not going to survive in this infrastructure the Bears have going on right now. Right. Who gets he's not a good offensive coordinator. I think what he did, I'm, I, I think that's what he did last week. I think. Luke Getzey and the Bears overthought what happened in the second half of last year. Justin Fields, the offense looked better, but he was taking a lot of hits. So they went, okay, you're never going to run the ball again, which takes away from the effectiveness of Justin Fields. I think the offense is kind of, look, it looks slow. It looks sluggish. It looks unathletic. When you have DJ Moore and you happen to make DJ Moore look unathletic, that's a problem on you. But I think the biggest thing here is Matt Eberflus is a defensive coach. He is a defensive coordinator. You give up 41 points, 34 points, and you let Baker Mayfield stun on you. This is bad. Everything about this is bad. And it's not just the play calling. It's the talent acquisition. You have nobody on defense outside of Jaquan Brisker. I think Eddie Jackson's still pretty good. You spent near $100 million on Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, and both of them look bad. Like, this is not good for anybody involved. This is such a bummer for me. Um, I, I talk a lot. I think we all have franchises that we kind of like. Like, I wouldn't say like our side team or whatever. We just you know, have soft spots for. My dog's name is Bear. Um, you know, it's just like a, a team that I resonate with. I like the city of Chicago a lot. Matt Eberflus, uh, you know, as far as like my experience is concerned, is a wonderful coach, was great as the linebackers coach in Dallas, was this huge reason why Sean Lee was such a baller. Uh, his family was always really great. So like when he became the Bears head coach, it was like awesome. Like this dude I really love gets to, you know, be in charge of this team that I kind of low-key like. Um, and so this is just like devastating. I mean, like it's it's just it's really difficult to kind of take. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing like there, there's nothing I like, like literally nothing. It, it is, it is so bad. That's why, like, J, you know, JP, when you bring up the Jaguars, like even then, like if I had asked you what's like something redeeming, you would have said, well, Trevor Lawrence is here, right? Like whatever. There's nothing redeeming about this team. Like if, if either of you could trade anything on the Patriots or Jaguars, anything for the Bears, would you? No, you would like, you would not trade for a single thing on this team. It's wild that that's the case. Even DJ Moore has been disappointing, which I don't think we're willing to put on DJ Moore at this point, but we can't put none of it on him. No, like, I mean, look, that moment from last week, though, where one of the Buccaneers linebackers, I forget who it was. Devin White. Was it David? Devin White, which is like, man, they're not using you the right way. Like, that's a brutal look for Luke Getzey. And that's not even the worst um, thing that happened to the Bears that week. No. 
I mean, the laundry list is extensive when it comes to the bad things that have happened to the Bears this week. I know it's, it's just kind of an aside, but how do you steal lawnmowers, like multiple lawnmowers, without anybody like, hey, what are you doing? And these are probably not your little ego battery powered mower like no, I These are the driving mowers. Fantastic, Rob. These are like the ride on mowers that have like 15 blades, like 20 feet wide, that are mowing an entire football field. Like you can't just sneak that out under the cover of darkness. People are going to hear it. And what Chicago citizen now has like 15 lawnmowers just in their backyard, just subbing them out every uh, every cutting day? Um, I, will, I will say. I think we're on some some really bad watch for the Bears. I mean, if that isn't obvious enough. Um, so they played the Broncos this week in <laughs> what will surely be a riveting game. Um, Can I use the fast forward button now on that game for next funniest week? game? Um, you cannot. But the good news is a few weeks from now, we won't have to talk about them on Monday because they're on Thursday night football. They're like annual game against the commanders, which is like a, a tradition at this point. That's like, I think, a potential inflection point. Like JP, you talked about the Jets and their early buy. Like the mini buy is often a time where we see some change. It may not be at the head coach. It's not like a Bears thing, but uh, maybe Luke gets he's out. I mean, it's difficult to move on from your offensive coordinator after your defensive coordinator is gone. Maybe there's a quarterback change, whatever. I do think that we see some sort of seismic movement after that Thursday night game, but uh, we'll see. Um, wow, what a horrible week in the NFL. The results shouldn't matter. We should just throw away the week if we're being completely and totally honest and only keep the Patriots win. Uh, Rachel, if you could please join us um, and give us your general takeaways from week three, Sunday's action at least. Um, we're not going to talk about Monday Night Football because it's stupid to have a doubleheader. Uh, but then, of course, uh, offer the MF double MVP. We would appreciate that very much. Sure. Uh, I know we're trying to get out of here quick, so I'm just going to throw this out there. We skipped this game. Commanders, my biggest takeaway, Sam Howe. Did not look good. The fact that he's nine times that's for the offensive line as well so i just want to keep on the uh, commanders a little bit but today is pretty simple i'm gonna give it to rj great job it feels kind of fraudulent because there was no like decoration right it was just like oh uh rj you know what i mean so uh um, i'm trying to get you a lot of i know here. but i mean i'll take it um uh, but you know I've, I've had sweeter victories that's all i'll say um so um I just want to say I saw a TikTok of a real life person doing the SpongeBob Krusty Krab song. Um, like this person was like walking down like a street uh, doing it. I had never seen that before. That was really funny and really clever. And that made my weekend. Uh, and then the Cowboys ruined it. Um, so as we leave, Mark, I would like you to predict who will finish second in the Constructors Championship this year. Mercedes, they're just going to hold off Ferrari. Like it's it's close now. Ferrari chipped away at their lead again. But I think Mercedes is going to do just enough down the stretch. All right. Have a good week, everybody.